Principle Matters Podcast, episode 232. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principle Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week we bring your inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're going to be talking about looking for that new position with my guest and co-host, Jen Schwanke, principal of Indian Run Elementary in Dublin, Ohio, and the author of two great books for school principals. Jen Schwanke, it's always great to see you. I hope you've been having a great week. I don't know about you, but the weather here is predicting that we're going to get like blasted by a polar vortex. I, I, I don't know. It sounds like the name for a great superhero. <laughs> it does. The same thing is happening here. All I know are there are minus signs in front of the weather forecast temperature lows. So um, yeah, we got some snow last week. And so we're kind of blanketed in, in snow and ice. It doesn't look like it's going to let up, but that's February. So it's okay. Yeah. Well, I remember you saying recently you went running and your eyelashes freezing and I was just thinking about that when I was out for my run and I was like I Oklahomans we have it just so much easier than those in Ohio and that's a whole nother episode about the fortitude of of my of my northern friends um but yeah so you're going to just be looking at us with sympathy as we get hit with all this polar vortex you'll be like see this is what we've been this is what we've been doing for weeks and weeks well Jen this is not just cold weather season this is also the time of the year when so Oh, many principals you and I talk to are thinking about that next thing. You know, maybe they've been serving in the position they're in now, and there may be something that they would like to step into that's different. Or maybe they're an aspiring leader. They've been there in the classroom and they're just looking for that first opportunity to step into school leadership. Or maybe someone's been serving as an assistant principal, like I did for several years who really wants to take that lead position in a building. So there's a lot of different reasons that people this time of year are looking, but you and I both know that on our end or on your end as a, as an acting principal and where I served for, for a long time too, this is the time of year when you begin looking for prospects um, in the education field too. So we just wanted to go there today about for anyone who's listening, that's looking for that new position, what are some things that they should keep in mind? So Jen, I'll let you jump in first. Well, sure. And I'm glad we're talking about this now while the snow is on the ground, because I think there's a myth out there that openings happen in April, May, and even June. And that's not necessarily true. Sometimes, you know, whenever someone leaves a position, there's a backfill position. And so it takes some time for those dominoes to fill, to, to fall and, and for the positions to become clear what's open. But I know February is a time of restlessness for principals. Often we're um, thinking, okay, what's next year going to look like? And of course, right now with everything kind of being upended, we're not really sure what tomorrow will bring, much less our job next year. But listeners of Principal Matters, I suspect, are forward-thinking and innovative and, and reflective. And so they're the types of people who perhaps might even have a job come looking for them. <laughs> and so we want to take some time to, to think about fit and to think about preparation and to think about um, what what feels right, your le- reasons for leaving and so on. For Principal Matters listeners who may want to go back and find some, just some quick resources that I've shared previously on my website, I have a post called 10 Tips for Seeking an Education Position that are just, that just outline some best practices when you're looking for any new education opening. And I have another post called 30 
interview questions for principals. If you want to kind of review like the most common things that are asking those, but that, but this, but then in this episode, what Jen and I would really want to talk about is just the mindset to keep um, when you're thinking about those new positions. And Jen, I, I want to start by talking about adding value because one of the things that I often hear from principals or leaders who are looking for that next position is the normal anxiety that you feel whenever you're getting ready, whenever you're seeking something new. And um, principal banners listeners, you might be listening to my dogs running around the floor. I can't seem to control this moment. And so it's <laughs> bothering my ears. And so if, if it ends up bothering your ears, then I apologize. Um, so now I have to refocus on what I'm actually saying than hearing my dog's toenails clip, 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 clip across the floor. Um, you may be thinking about that position and anxiety is normal. But within that anxiety, I think there's an important reminder that whatever whatever opportunity that you're looking at next, first ask yourself this question, what value can I bring to this position that will help others? Because I know how hard it is when we're looking at new moves to weigh all the pros and cons, and they are important to weigh. We need to weigh um, lots of things in terms of income and fit. But I, I like to start with value first because I think it's important to be reminded that that the skills that you've developed, uh, the principles that you hold to, the commitment that you have to relationships, those are valuable commodities that schools desperately need in leaders. And Jen, I know that one of the reasons that you and I, that one of the reasons you and I spend so much time writing about leadership, practicing it, and then connecting with others about those practices is because we believe that leadership is one of the greatest influential factors of the success of a school, not just teachers, but leaders. And so leaders, I just want to start with that point first, that you have an amazing reservoir of value. I think that's the adding value is a wonderful place to start. It, it should actually be the first place because that, that asks a a principal to look within. What am I good at? What value do I bring to my own school, my current school, my current position? And then think, well, how could that be beneficial to another setting? And of course, the inverse to that is what happens if I have value to give to a position, a district, a school, a community, and that's not the value that they want? <laughs> that can be deeply hurtful and it can feel very personal. But sometimes, but that's okay, right? Because sometimes the value that a candidate brings is not the value needed. They may already have someone with that particular skill set, or they may be looking for, I think you said this earlier, Will, when we were talking offline, they may be acting as looking for a transformational leader, an instructional leader, a technology leader. Who knows what that what that setting requires of the opening? And it's very easy to feel deflated and insecure when things don't go your way. I'm part of an online principals group and there's this is the time of year where a lot of principals will will post, I have an interview, any tips, tell me what to do. They're auditioning and they badly want the part, right? Because we don't walk into an interview thinking, well, I really hope I don't get this job. We go in wanting it. And in any audition, we want the crown, we want the prize, we want the ribbon. And so it can be um, very bruising to the ego if we aren't offered the position. But retrospect being so beautiful often will tell you, well, that, that wasn't right for me. And so what I would challenge your listeners to consider is the, is the fact that you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. 
And if something doesn't feel right, or if you feel your value will not be highlighted, or if you feel um, spoken to in a way that doesn't jibe with your values, then it might not be the right position. And it, it's really important that we be happy in our work and that we feel we are valued. And that's all wrapped up together in the in your initial point, Will, of course, which is what value do you bring? And Jen, you know I'm a storyteller. Right. Tell me. So, tell me a story. Um, so, so, well, you know, you and I both, because we've been in education for a long time, we, you know, every position that we've been able to gain has come with, um, with a story. And, you know, when I was serving as an assistant principal, there were a number of lead principal positions that I applied for interviewed for and was not offered before I found the one that I ended up in um, before I left that to do what I do now full-time as a uh, executive director for our principals association and the work that I do with principal matters. But in the middle of all that, um, I had been nominated for um, the Oklahoma assistant principal of the year in my early part of my assistant principal career. Um, And what most people don't know is that I was, I was nominated for that award twice Uh, The first time I did not receive it, which meant that I applied for it. I went through the interview process. I wanted it just as badly as everybody else wanted it, and I didn't receive it. And what else also people don't know about that first round, the first time that I went through that, is something I've I've never talked about this publicly. So I'm going to tell you a story that (laughs) I'm going to have to be really vulnerable here. But the year that I was nominated for that award the first time was right after our school district had gone through a horrible crisis of leadership. Our superintendent had been arrested for embezzlement and bribery. My principal had been wrongly accused and removed from her position for fiscal mismanagement. Later, she was reinstalled, but I had to run the school without her while that was all happening. And and it was a crushing blow to the morale and the trust of our community. And so for the rest of that school year, we were rebuilding. And for the following years, we were rebuilding. Well, that was the first year that I was nominated for that award. And so when I was invited in to that panel of peers and and it's just, you know, it's intimidating to sit in a room of other principals and try to explain why you feel um, proud of of the work that your school's doing. And and the very last question asked in that panel interview was, where do you dream of seeing your school five years from now? And when they asked me that question, that was the first time anybody had asked me that question in the midst of all this crazy year that we had just had. I was just trying to survive that year. And I began to cry just right in the middle of this interview because I realized the, the, the weight of how dearly I wanted to see our community heal and our students mm-hmm. and parents trust us again and, and us to grow and reach that, that goal. And it was, um, it wasn't just one of those, like I get teared up. It was, it was an embarrassing moment for me to sit there and just kind of lose it in front of mm-hmm. my peers. And they were all wonderful leaders who know how to react because we all know how to react when someone just busts in front of us. Right. But, it, but, but as I, um, as I reflected on that experience and did not win that award, and I have no idea if, if my being too vulnerable in that moment was the reason I wasn't offered it. Um, it wasn't, uh, but a year or two later that I was uh, up, nominated again and ended up back in that same position and was asked that exact same question again. And this time I had a completely different answer because I was in a place. And I I was just thinking about that recently. I was like, you know, it's so difficult when you're in the middle of something to be able to look at it with perspective. 
it's so difficult. The analogy I always use is for anyone who has looked for a house and you find the house you want, you desperately want this house and your offer falls through and you don't get it. And, you know, months or years later, you think, thank goodness I didn't get that house. Wrong neighborhood, wrong price point, wrong house. You know, it had radon or termites or God knows what. And, and you're grateful, right? But with looking for a job, it feels the same, except it's personal too. Because when we put ourselves in front of a panel, we're saying, go ahead, rip off the tarp, see what you see. And then for most of us, we're going to get a phone call saying you didn't get it, right? Because only one guy does. <laughs> my, my similar story, this was years ago, but I, I felt ready to do something different. I was an assistant principal at the time at the middle school and there was an opening in HR and I had always thought I wanted to be in HR. I love working with people and I like being a resource to humans, right? And so I interviewed and I did not get the job and I was hurt and I thought, boy, I will bring a, a perspective from a female with, um, you know, who, having been in the assistant role, has having taught, I felt like I was the package. It was a few months later when I myself was, was interviewing candidates for some openings in our school. And I had this thought flash across my brain so fast that I almost had to retrieve it. And the, the thought was, I hate interviewing. I hate conducting interviews. I hate it. I, I have to focus. I have to listen. I have to really get myself in a mental space to do interview, to conduct interviews well. Well, that was what human resources was going to be. That was half the job, right? And I didn't like doing it, but I thought I was looking at the job as a stepping stone and as maybe the next logical thing, rather than looking at it as, as whether it was the right thing for me. And so, you know, I nursed my hurt feelings for quite some time and I was able to find peace when I realized, you know, it's, it wasn't the right house for me. It really wasn't. <laughs> And, and I think that's well, true maybe with what you went through. Re receiving that award in the year of rebuilding was probably not the right time. But the lessons you learned from it and the candidate you became by, by working through that and building your community made you the assistant principal of the year. And it's easy to look back with perspective. You know, so winning that award the, the second time I was nominated, obviously, you know, it launched opportunities for me that I've, I'm still reaping the benefits of today. But, um, but you don't know that at the time. Right. And and so I just want to speak to any listeners out there because I know there's some listeners right now who have either interviewed for spots or they're nervous about interviewing for a spot or they, they've had um, experiences or maybe they haven't because I know a lot of people who until they apply for leadership have never been told no. You know, it's it's always been this success story until there's suddenly one candidate among, of you know, there's only usually one principal in the building but there's a whole lot of teachers. So if I'm applying for a teacher spot, there's a better chance I'm going to have an opportunity to find it than if I'm applying for a principal spot. And so if you are experiencing frustration or challenge, or maybe what you feel like is failure for the first time in this process, that's okay. That's a, it's a part of the, it's a part of the journey. And, um, but, but having said that, Jen, since you and I have both experienced those, the flip side of that and the, and the other side of, of the success of that, Let's talk about if if you have that opportunity to interview, you're getting ready to to finally have your moment to engage with an audience and and with other people. What are some things that people should have in mind as they're as they're stepping into this possibility? You know what I think is important is seeing 
is reaching out to others. And this is a time to build your ego so that you walk into the room knowing what value you add, as you had mentioned earlier. I have a, um, a, a friend, a colleague, she worked as my assistant for several years, and she is so good at building me up. And every now and then I have to call her and say, okay, tell me again what I'm good at. And she'll laugh. And then she tells me a few things that I'm good at. Her, um, her name's Jacqueline. I just love her to bits because she knows I'm not necessarily an insecure or an unconfident leader, but every now and then I need those reminders. What value am I bringing? And I do that for her as well. So I think that's a great step is finding a, an accountability partner or a trusted friend to say, tell me why this job would be a good fit and take in the compliments and listen to them and think, Yes, by golly, I, I could do this and I could do it well. And then I also love seeing, seeing candidates who reach out and say, what questions might they ask? And doing kind of a dress rehearsal, again, not to get the right answer. We shouldn't be seeking to get the right answer. We should be seeking to give an authentic answer that reflects who we are. Uh, those are some great takeaways. And so some things to keep in mind, uh, you know, and these are, again, just, I know these are common sense, but it doesn't it doesn't hurt to, to go through the, the basics um, make sure that your resume reflects that value. You know, just like you said, Jen, others can reflect back to you what that value is. So make sure your resume reflects that. It shouldn't just be a list of what you've done. It, there should be some statements in there about your mission or your passion or about who you are as a, as a leader. Um, also, conciseness is nice because you and I do a lot of, have done a lot of interviews and we know that a five-page resume is going to be overkill. You know, so I really, really try to encourage people, one or, or uh, two at the most, but, you know, try to get it all in a concise manner so that people can see quickly what your value is. Um, what are some other tips that you would you would add to that in terms of just some some basic prep? I'm glad that you said that about the resume, Will. And and do you, let me ask you a question, not to put you on the spot. Do you read cover letters? I do if they're attached to um, what I'm looking for. It just kind of yeah. depends, you know, because sometimes we've used the sometimes we've used technology to to um, host all of the content that we want to pull right. for an applicant. But I sometimes have, applicants will take take an extra measure and reach out to me personally. And if they do, I, I have to admit, I, I usually read them. Um, yeah. And so, um, but but it depends on, it also depends on how long they are because right. I also, sometimes you're limited on the amount of time you have. I think I'll, I, I, that was a trick question, but you answered it how I would have answered it. And because I've heard some interviewers before say, oh, I don't read the cover letter. Well, I always do because the written expression um, piece of any hire really is an important one for me. You need to be able to, to gather your thoughts in, in a written form. And I recognize that the cover letter might be written by someone else. I get that but at least it's a first blush at what you're going to get. I had someone ask me the other day, do I need a portfolio? And I said, well, tell me what you mean. And she said, you know, a binder. My college professor is telling me that I need a binder. And I said, well, is your college professor from the 90s? Because binders were wonderful in the 90s. Everybody had binders, right? I remember doing, you know, eight or nine or 10 interviews in a day for a position. And I had eight or nine or 10 beautiful binders at the end of the day. What I think now in 2021 is I love a candidate who comes in with a website or I love a candidate who comes in with some sort of a um, technology spin on the 1990s binder. Um, that's not to say that anyone who's, who is currently putting sheet protectors and index tabs on a binder should throw it in, in the dumpster, but it is 2021 and technology is important for our students. And so if you're getting advice to go look for a position with an archaic practice, maybe rethink that or find somebody that you can ask an honest question ab about binders and portfolios and see if it's going to be the right fit. 
Yeah, let's stay right there for just a moment too, Jen, because 2021 is a uniquely different time than we were experiencing, um, than we've ever experienced. And so there are most likely people listening right now who may be interviewing for jobs virtually. Their interview may actually be what we're doing right now through Zoom or Google Meet or something like that. So if that's you, if you're getting ready to do a virtual interview, and I've had this conversation with principals who are looking for spots, um, then take as much time to pay attention to the virtual frame that you're sitting in right now as you would to the clothes that you're going to be wearing or the resume that you're going to be polishing for an interview. And so as I've coached principals, I, I just ask them, take a look at your frame right now. Is there, are there distracting things behind you? Are you in the center of that vi- the digital frame? Can I hear you clearly? All of those things are important parts. And so if you haven't looked at yourself lately or, or videoed yourself lately, pull up a Zoom, push record and video yourself and then play it back and see how does it sound, how does it look, and what is the delivery that you're giving there? I even told, and, and I know this may be overkill, but I told a friend the other day that it would be really, it would be worth the investment for her to buy a, a better mic so that I could hear more clearly the conversation versus the tin can sound that was coming from the big room that she was sitting in. And that may sound unkind, but if I'm trying to be competitive in the delivery that I have in that digital virtual world that I'm talking into, then I want to have the people on the other side to have the best experience that they can have. Yeah. I I love that you said that. And I, it reminds me of a mind trick I play with myself when I'm interviewing teachers, but this certainly applies to any principal who's looking for a role too. I always, as I'm listening to the candidate, I always imagine that I'm the parent in a parent teacher conference or a parent meeting. And I think, okay, the way they present themselves, the confidence with which they speak, the ums and the giggles and the, oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't prepared. I would not want that kind of presentation to a parent, an angry parent, a combative parent. I wouldn't want that, right? And so if that's the kind of behavior I get in an interview, I can make a relatively confident assumption that that would also translate in high pressure situations with parents or community members or colleagues. And so um, I ask, I think your listeners could ask themselves to flip that and think, am I presenting myself in such a way that I show how I would behave when things get really tough? And that speaks to the clothing, like you said, the clothing you're wearing, the background, the preparedness. Um, That's what you're going to present to the world from day one and on day 50 and on day 500 as well. So you just have to think about what you want that picture to be. Well, and so let me bring this full circle because there's so much more that we could unpack in this conversation. We we would probably do two episodes on this, but I'll I'll see how much we can unpack here in the last few minutes, Jen. But um, but to bring that full circle, I love that analogy about imagining them in front of parents because here's the here's the truth. When you're sitting in that interview, the people that are sitting in that room, not only are they going to be trying to picture how your delivery would be to their community or to teachers or to the students that you're going to be serving in there, but you also have the privilege, and I think it's a responsibility to provide them, the people sitting in that room, with with value. In other words, I don't know if I can put this into a short, concise way. Um, the, the, the best gift that you can give to an interview committee or to another person is the gift of ideas that will make their school better whether they hire you or not. 
Mm-hmm. And so the goal should not necessarily be to sell you. It should be to make, to give them something that they can, they, you to leave them with something that will make their school better, whether they hire you or not. Because if that's the mission of your time in front of them, they're probably going to want to hire you. Or if they don't, they're certainly going to recommend you to somebody else. And so I, I just really, I don't know how to, to help leaders remember that because it's so hard when you're anxious and stressed and wanting to be impressive and wanting to answer things correctly. But the answer really should be, what's the best value that could help the teachers, the parents, and the community members of these people, whether they hire me or not? I don't know if that makes sense, but those it, are the thoughts that go through my mind. It does make sense. And what you're saying is a version of leaving them wanting more of you. You know, <laughs> you you go in and you show them what you, how you think and, and how you present yourself and the ideas you have and what you have successfully led your, you know, your people through in the past. And you want those committee members or the interviewer to think, wait, we want more of this. Of course, we want this person on our team. And if we don't hire this person, maybe we take those ideas and implement them anyway. And, you know, that speaks, again, to the idea where you need to be a good fit for them and they need to be a good fit for you. And if it doesn't work out, at least the whole entire uh, set of attendees is better for it in the end. And, you know, I, I want to say one more, just a quick, quick story. Um, I have a friend, a dear friend of mine, and she she would love me telling this story. She interviewed for a position that she wanted very badly. And she is a um, very intelligent, thoughtful, successful teacher. And she um, was interviewing, the, the, she was a final candidate against a, a gentleman who was her polar opposite. polar opposite. Again, very intelligent, very talented as well, but um, it it had many traits that she didn't have and she had traits he didn't have. And she said to me, there is such peace leaving the, the interview knowing that if they want him, it's not about me because I'm his opposite. They want him because of who he is. She said it would be a lot harder pill to swallow if we looked the same, acted the same, have the same experiences and could bring the same things to the tables. But if they want him, I can't be him. There's no way I can be him. And so whatever decision was made, she was able to rest well with it because she could look at the other person and say, "Mm -mm, I couldn't be him if I tried. Wow. That's some great feedback. Well, Jen, there's so much more we can unpack. I know we could talk about things like making sure that you understand the practical parts of, is this worth it for my family? Right. Is, Is this, what kind of move is this for me laterally or is this going to give me new opportunities for leading? There's so much more. I, we probably could have done two or three episodes on this, but Principal Matters listeners, I want you to think about in the spring, if you are that person looking for that new position, I do want to make a book recommendation, Jen, that has this is not an education book. Um, several years ago, I was really wrestling when I was an assistant principal with when I should look for that next thing. And then I began to wrestle with, should I even be looking for something within my field for that next thing. And I read a book by Dan Miller called 48 Days to the Work You Love. And the reason this book is in my mind is I just heard an interview with him just a couple of days ago. He's he's still podcasting. Dan Miller, I, I won't even try to guess his age, but he's been doing this work for decades. Um, but this book was so helpful for me. And, and he mentioned in the podcast I heard that he updates this book every couple of years so that it's current for people looking at career choices. But the reason this book was helpful was that it – it gave me a chance to really reflect on my own skills, talents, gifts, and abilities, and was did those things match the industry I had chosen? 
And if not, was there another industry out there that might be a better fit for me? And what I discovered through that process, and I read the book and did the practices, was that I was in the right place and that I should be looking within my industry for that next move. And there's there may be some of you listening right now who are really wrestling with like, what should I do next? And I just want to encourage you, it's okay to take time also to just really dig deep and reflect on what you do well. And then look at the opportunities in front of you to ask if that's the right fit. Because you know what wasn't a right fit for me, Jen? Superintendency. You know, right. that, that that is just something that in all of the options never was the right, right. fit for me, which is why after being a prin- assistant principal and principal, what I do now was a better fit for me. Um, right. and, 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 but, but, knowing, but knowing myself helped me know what to say yes to and what to say no to. And that can be hard to be honest with yourself. It really can, especially in an industry where there are very few opportunities the higher up you get. The the tunnel gets a lot more narrow. And I think it takes a brave, courageous, and very self-aware person to say, that's it. That's all I that's all I'm gonna do in this particular totem pole. I'm going to stop there and get on another one. Yeah. Well, we'll wrap it up there. Principal Matters listeners, uh, if you have questions, if you want to reach out to Jen or me anytime, you can always reach out to us by email. My email is will at williamdparker.com. And Jen, if you want to share your contact info, I know they can find you at your website as well. Absolutely. They can find me at jenschwanke.com. All my contact information is there. Speaking of digital portfolio, that's kind of my version of a digital portfolio. So take a look there. Well, until next time, thank you guys for listening and girls. I don't mean to in any way leave out everyone (laughs) in that statement. Thank you all. I hope you have a fantastic week. Thanks for doing what matters. Take care, everyone. See you soon.